Hey guys, and welcome to Liberty 101. Um, I'm Christine, and uh, I thank you guys for checking it out. This is our, um, bear with me for a second. First of all, dog barking, you'll have to forgive me for that. And my chair decided to go super low. So, learning curves, right? It's only the second episode, so it'll take some time to figure it all out. Um, I'm going to do these real quick. So, uh, Libertarians uh, Veteran Caucus, Leading Libertarians to Veteran Issues, Leading Veterans to Libertarian Solutions. James Toller for Kentucky, T-O-L-L-E-R-4-K-Y.com. He's putting people over politics. Here's a way that you can check out Not a Real Libertarian Podcast. You can find us on all these different platforms. And then a new one that's uh, for me is Chris By for Alaska's Congressman. To learn more, go to itstimealaska.com. So uh, now that we've got the business part done, let's get down to the, the discussion. Um, tonight, we're going to be talking about ballot access. Uh, one of the main things when it comes to being a third party is having to get on the ballot to have our candidates even exposed, to have our party exposed. And there's a lot of challenges that come with that. So tonight, I thought it'd be a really good way to kind of kick off the whole podcast series on one of the main things and one of the main reasons we end up talking to people out in public, and that's by collecting signatures and trying to get ballot access. So I have three guests with me tonight. All are experts in this field who have plenty of experience um, in a different variety of ways. Um, we've got Jen Moore here, um, and then I'm going to add everybody and let them do their intros then. Drew Bingaman. <clears throat> And the wonderful, magnificent Sam Robb. So, <laughs> um, welcome everybody. Thanks so much for being here tonight. I know that I'm kind of doing a lot of these uh, invites a little last minute as I try and figure out how I want to move this podcast forward. So, I appreciate you guys taking the time and, and being on tonight so that we can talk about the different parties that are now out there in Pennsylvania and the ballot access experiences we've all had. Um, but if you guys could just give a little experience, uh, Jen, do you mind going first? No problem. Thanks, Christine, for having me. Um, so I'm Jen Moore. Most recently, I was the chairwoman of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania up until early March. Um, I was with the LPPA for about five years. Um, and in that time, I ran two statewide ballot access drives, as well as getting elected um, to local office myself and running two municipal drives or helping with two municipal drives where we elected about 225 Libertarians. So um, we got really good at what we were doing. Um, most recently, I have left the LPPA and um, have become a part of the Keystone Party, which I really had planned to take a long break from politics. <laughs> and, um, you know, more into that later. But when we started talking about ballot access for the candidates that we really believed in, the best way to do that was with the party. Um, so that's kind of how I got drug kicking and screaming into that project. So hopefully a little bit more on that later. But I've also served on the National Ballot Access Committee. Um, I am currently serving until next month. So that's what I've got going on now. <laughs> oh, Are we frozen? I, was, I was muted. Uh, Drew, <laughs> guys, learning curve, got to give it to me. <laughs> At, well, that's that's the uh, whole point of tonight is 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 ballot access is a learning curve. So, um, my name's Drew Bingaman. Um, I like Jennifer. I served uh, as LPPA 
uh, chairperson for two terms. Um, and, you know, we've, we, we, uh, we did a lot of things <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, I've been involved in the LP, uh, since 2013. Um, uh, it was the 2012 election that really pushed me over the edge to really, uh, stop, stop complaining, get out from behind my keyboard and, and actually do something. Uh, I founded a uh, local libertarian party here in central Pennsylvania. And now I have a cat that wants attention. Um, but yeah, we've we've done we've gotten a lot of people on on the ballot over the years, and uh, again, like Jennifer, uh, this past a few months ago, I decided that I was no longer going to be part of the Libertarian Party, and uh, I decided to push to form a Pennsylvania Pirate Party, which is an affiliate of the USPP um, and the larger International Pirate Movement, um, and uh, we have a Reddit that you can check out. It's r slash PA pirate party. Uh, we have a discussion group there. Um, so yeah, feel free to check it out. Um, we are still looking for volunteers to help out if you're interested. So uh, still on the ground floor, we're still formulating bylaws, but we've adopted, uh, we've, we've uh, made, made a couple of uh, provisional. Um, oh, there she is. <laughs> We got a couple of provisional officers and now don't, don't, not the keyboard. <laughs> it's okay. uh, a couple provisional, we got a couple of provisional officers and we've got uh, provisional bylaws that we're going for. And uh, so we'll, we'll be rolling out as an, as an official affiliate very soon. And we've been setting up meetings uh, every two weeks going forward. The next one is going to be on 420. So very if, you're interested, if you're interested, give me a call. Give me a, a message. Hey, All she's right. the fourth the fourth person on the show. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Sam Rob. All right. Um one, I'm very flattered to be included as someone with experience because I really don't have a whole lot when it comes to ballot access. Uh I kind of got thrown into the mix uh in the last presidential election helping Joe Jorgensen and uh Spike Cohen get on the ballot. Worked very closely with Christine and Jen uh, for that. And uh, uh, like I said, kind of crash course. Didn't really have much of an understanding, but it's uh, it's the building block for everything that comes after that. So uh, this past year, working with the Libertarian Party, uh, got to see uh, what we call the Molten Maneuver in action, which involved getting a lot of people on the ballot very quickly in a short time frame. And uh, you know, learned a lot from that. And uh, on top of that, have been communicating with some of the people uh, in the Libertarian Party in other states and uh, coming to find that Pennsylvania, although it's, you know, ballot access can be an issue, is not nearly the issue that uh, some other places have. Uh, Georgia is a, is a tremendous example of some place where it is just unbelievably, it's insane how hard it is to get a, a third party candidate on the ballot. So, uh, you know, and on one hand, uh, looking looking forward to maybe uh, fighting in Pennsylvania to make things a little bit easier. Uh, on the other hand, also happy that it's not as difficult as it could be. Well, I think you sell yourself short, just for the record. Um, but, you know, like you kind of said, you have a little bit more insight of national. So does Jen. You know, I know Tennessee has a really um, hard time getting people on, if I remember correctly. Third parties um, need 
what is it like 50,000 signatures? Um, something like that. If I recall my conversation with bootleg and that's just astronomical. I know we had to do 5,000 plus, um, during COVID, which was hard and we couldn't, you know, they would see, they gave us no relief. Um, but Tennessee trying to do 50,000, they ended up getting Joe and Spike on there. Uh, Oh, look, bootleg corrects me. It's 58,000. Um, so, uh, they ended up getting them on as independents because the numbers needed for that are significantly lower. Um, so to kind of start off with an idea or a topic, um, you know, one of the main things is about getting out into the community. So when you have been trying to get out there and get signatures, um, what do you find the best method in approaching people? Um, especially, you know, when I first started as state manager after I was forced by Sam Rob to be the state manager for Jorgensen. Um, you know, I am a people person. I'm an extrovert. I think that's the word. And, but I still find myself a little reluctant talking to people, especially about something they may not know any about or already have like hard feelings against. Um, so what have you guys have, what have you found uh, benefit or uh, a tactic you could suggest to people in approaching people to do signatures? Have at it. <laughs> I'll go. Um, I'll tell you the very best way to get signatures, and this is never what people want to hear, not the way that we always do it, is to go door to door because you have a walking list, you know where the registered voters are, and you know you're getting good signatures. And if you're the candidate or working on the campaign, you can go door to door and leave literature for that candidate. You know, you, you're campaigning right as you go and saying, hey, you know, can you help me get on the ballot? Can you help my friend get on the ballot that I'm campaigning for? Um, you know, that is an excellent way to do it and get good signatures. I think that minor parties should do more of that. Um, also here in Pennsylvania, primary day is a big one um, because you've got registered voters in the district lined up for you. So, you know, you can walk up and usually, you know, I'll use the, you know, hey, you know, will you help a third party get on the ballot? You know, do you believe in free and fair elections? Will you help my friend get on the ballot? You know, we signed to get, you know, whatever party on the ballot. You're going to get some no's and, you know, you don't argue with them. You just move on say, okay, thanks, you know, to the next one. That's the biggest thing. Um, you know, a lot of times we do train stations and um, parades and things like that. You can get a lot of signatures that way. And it's kind of the same thing where you're walking up to people and say, hey, would you be willing to sign? Um, and, you know, you have to be able to take the rejection and roll with it. But in those places, you get people from out of the area. So you're going to have a lower validity rate. Um, you know, it's a good way to get a lot of signatures, but it's not a good way to get a lot of valid signatures. So that's kind of my piece. What do you guys have to add? Well, you covered it. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, those are the ba those are the basics. Um, I will, I will definitely reiterate that if you if you're a local candidate, the best thing is to get out there and go door to door. Door to door is again, it's more than gathering signatures. It's it's campaigning. Um, you will not you will not spend your time better than going door to door. If you're serious about winning an election, um, you know, and, and then when you're talking about uh, on primary day, when you when people are just coming in and, you know, everybody's a registered voter. The the specifics of who you're um, getting signatures for, if 
I would it, it gets more people if you don't go into specifics because you just say, well, you're just helping people get on the ballot for the fall. It doesn't there's no other no other obligation, nothing yeah. else. All you're saying is, yes, these people can be on the ballot. You don't have to vote for them. You don't even have to believe in what they believe in. And that's cool. It's just for, you know, it's just for ballot access. Um you know, if people are interested in what you're, you know, what you've got there, you can go take it a step further. But, um, but yeah, I, I would say for the, to, to get the most out of a, a time, like even if you're in a crowd, uh, um, like on primary day, it's just, just minimum, just basically keep it as generic as possible. Yeah. That's kind of what, uh, what I did. It, I went down to uh, Pittsburgh uh, has a, a, it's called the strip district. Okay. <laughs> it's because it's a strip of land. Yes. The way you framed it made our minds go. <laughs> yeah, you made us go. <laughs> you made it that way. <laughs> they actually have a very famous poster, which is a, uh, all the various it, different individuals that are, that are, you know, characters and shopkeepers in the strip district, all wandering around buck naked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I went down to the strip district because it's a busy area. Um, uh, when we were collecting for for Joan Spike, wore a, uh, a porcupine T-shirt that I had from uh, that I got from Proud Libertarian, and uh, that would not over the top, but something so that people could see right the the porcupine and kind of get an idea. And uh, had several people stop and ask, "Are you are you the Libertarians?" At which point I. You know, I knew I could probably talk to them a little more deeply. Um, but for the most part, it was, like Drew said, uh, keeping it very simple. And, uh, you know, actually, uh, it was Jen that was on the ballot as uh, I think you were running as auditor in that race. Mm -hmm. um, so one, my go-to approach was, you know, to walk up to somebody and say, hey, uh, I'm trying to help my friend Jen Moore get on the ballot in November. Would you be willing to sign so that she could uh, run in the election? And uh, I'd say occasionally I got people who were like, well, who is she? What does she do? But for the most part, it's like, oh, you're helping your friend. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'd get a, I'd get a signature. Um, you know, so, I mean, like Drew said, keep it, keep it simple. You know, this is, this is what we're, we're doing. Be able to handle the rejection, right? It just, if somebody says no, say, okay, hey, thank you. Go on to the next person. Um, you know, don't waste, don't waste time with them. And uh, occasionally you would run into somebody who was knowledgeable and who understood what you were doing and wanted to talk. And that was a great time to, you know, point them at, Hey, here's a, here's the, you know, for the candidate or for the, for the party, here's a, here's a sign up page. Here's a, here's a place to go. Uh, do you know people in, you know, out in your County or out in your area? You know, can I you know, give you a number? You can get in touch with people. So it was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, these are all similar experiences that I've had. Um, I found when when I was campaigning for Joe and Spike, uh, my husband and I set up at the local farmer's market and we were there every other weekend, same spot. They gave it to us for free. Um, and I found kind of like what Drew was saying, you know, just the basics. And I would be like, don't you think there, there should be more voices on the ballot? Like, you don't have to vote for them, but don't you just think that there should be more people allowed to be on the ballot? And that's all I'm trying to do. Um, I'm trying to give, um, you know, my, my friend Jen or, you know, um, Joe or Spike. Cause you know, he's my friend. Um, 
name drop, um, <laughs> as Tim would say. And, uh, you know, I'd be, you know, saying, I'm just trying to help my friend get on the ballot, just like Drew said. And, you know, we would get those kind of responses like you had, Sam, where it's like, oh, you're helping your friend. And it's just, and then I'd get the people who are like, ah, everyone can have a voice on the ballot. And then you'd get those diehard Republicans or Democrats who are like, you're just taking votes. And it's like, okay, thanks. Have a good day. And like, Although I, <laughs> I did get a couple of people in different circumstances who are like, libertarians, are you going to be pulling votes away from, yeah, this is someone in a MAGA hat, right? Are you, yeah. you guys are all into weed and whatnot. You're going to be pulling votes away from Hillary Clinton. Oh, yes, we will. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Yep. You sign here, sir. We will go ahead. <laughs> I actually said that to people. They're like, you're just pulling votes from Republicans. I said, we're actually pulling a lot from the Democrats, too. And then they would be like, oh, here, let me sign. And yeah, then like, the yeah, Democrats, sure, they'd be that. like, oh, you're you're pulling from the Democrats because of your social issues. And I was like, oh, no, we've got a lot of people from the Republican because of Pro-2A and taxes. And, you know, we're getting a lot. And they would end up signing. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the comment, but David Valente, uh, who was on last week's show, had a really good suggestion, too, <laughs> that the DMV on a Saturday morning, because all those people are already mad at the government, um, <laughs> they'll probably be likely to sign your uh, petition as well. Did you guys um, ever get that person who was like, so Jen's your friend, who are the rest of these people? Are they your friends too? <laughs> yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> They're all my friends, except for this Joe Soloski guy. He's a little yes. <laughs> That Dan Wasmer guy. I don't need him as attorney general. No. <laughs> he would have been an excellent attorney general. Drew, did you ever, did you oh. ever do the friend thing? Oh, my God, yeah. That's... <clears throat> so... Now, one thing I didn't say in my intro is I got elected constable in 2017. So my my petitioning over the last couple of years has been uh, sort of minimized because I've been working on Election Day every, every uh, two times a year. So, um, you know, that the the friend thing, I, I've gotten a lot of re weird responses. And what I was going to say is, is it's good to know your area. Yes. So. If you're, you know, first thing you want to know is, is this, is this a heavy Republican area? Is this a heavy Democrat area? So knowing that, then you can tailor your responses. <laughs> yeah, they're about, they're all my best friends. They're all my best friends. All my best friends. All of them. Um, we, all, we all have a little powwow every Saturday. We play, we play hold them and drink whiskey every Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're talking to a very religious non-drinking group, then we read the Bible every Saturday. <laughs> And and drink you know, milk. Hey, whatever works. <laughs> you got to play it the right way to get to to get to your audience, and that 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 ultimately is kind of what I was getting at. Is just really knowing your audience, and being yeah. able to play it play it however however it's going to work to get you those signatures. Um, Look at you know everybody so here lying like a politician. <laughs> I mean, the truth is, is none of those things are lies. I mean, we pull we pull from we pull from both sides. That's true. You know, libertarian. Uh, the Libertarian Party and everybody that's a third party, honestly, pulls from both sides. I mean, you, you're you're going to do that. And um, yeah, most and some of us are independents. Yeah. And some of us, you know, some people are going to be going for people that don't normally even vote and to, to get more votes out there. Um, you know, there's people that, that go and do uh, voter registration drives. And at the same mm -hmm. time, once you get those people registered, if you're the guy that's registering those people, you, you know, those those people vote for you so um i think a lot of times the the uh the whole pulling from one side or the other thing is is uh 
just kind of ridiculous because really the people that I've talked to that aren't, you know, hardcore libertarians or devoted greens or, you know, really I've been with the constitution party since it, since it was founded. Um, the people that decide that they're going to vote third party aren't really deciding that they're going to vote third party. They've decided that they're not going to vote for the Democrat or the Republican. Mm-hmm. So somebody else is going to get their vote, even if it's Mickey Mouse right in. When I ran for auditor general, I had over 200,000 votes and um, like 230 or so. And I think that there were like 46,000 registered libertarians. So you know that it wasn't just registered libertarians out there voting. There's people fed up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) With the other options. Um, So, you know, it was it was highlighted in one of these comments. Let me see if I can find it because I want to address this and I can't find it now because that's the way this works anyway um someone had mentioned about how there's a variety of people here it is a variety of people on this show tonight and we all have liberty-minded things that we want to get done and changes we want to bring to the government and to our you know local government state and national um and that's the key here on the show is trying to bring liberty movement um i found it fitting that we're on not a real libertarian podcast because we're not all. I'm not, I'm not a real. Anymore. I'm not a libertarian anymore. <laughs> not anymore. No. Nope. Sam, Sam's the lone man. Um, but you know, <laughs> oh, I have one of those anyway. But um, <laughs> you know, there are a lot of challenges that come with being a party in general when it comes to ballot signatures. So I'd really like to touch on the minor party status, since we all are kind of familiar with that, having worked in the LP. Um, But then I would like to go into talking about what the Pirate Party and what the Keystone Party have as challenges as they move forward and look at 2022 for statewide and 2023 for local um, and what kind of challenges that they kind of see. Um, But I, I don't care who speaks first to have at it, but I would really like to talk about the minor party status challenges that we saw as the LP. I don't want to go first again. I want to give these guys a chance. I'll I'm go like a Hermione know-it-all. Uh, minor party status is, is a nice to have in Pennsylvania. And, and that's only if you're really, if you've really got the resources to make it go, make a go of it. Um, I will say that, and that that's mainly the major, uh, the major thing about uh, minor party status is that it lets you get into all of those special elections for free. Right. That's a big deal because th- th- we, you don't have to waste resources just getting on the ballot. If you, if you've earned minor party status, but you have to earn it first Right. So you have to get, uh, is it, was it 2% Jennifer? I think you had to get right. 2% of the highest vote getter. So essentially about 1% of the election. So that's what it takes to get minor party status. And honestly, I mean, the rewards are nice to have, but they're, they, it's not like the end all be all of, of, you know, now we're a political party. Okay. So we're, we're political party now, but those are that that and getting your name on voter registration forms while that's also nice to have um you can register as any anything you want in pennsylvania you could write mickey mouse party and that'll go into the voter registration database 
Um, so unlike, uh, unlike some states, Pennsylvania lets you register as anything you want, whether it's a recognized political party or not. Um, and so that kind of goes, goes to the political body status, everything, everybody who's not a major political party, which is only the Democrats and Republicans or a minor party, which right now I think is just the greens and libertarians. I think the greens, greens? I think the greens, yeah, Tim Runkle got it in the last uh, election. So, so there are only four recognized political parties in Pennsylvania, two majors and two minors. Everybody else, whether you're an independent or whatever else you happen to be, um, you, you are part of a political body. And that political body is the name that you have registered on your, on your um, registration. Whether that, whether that political body is any more organized than just you signed up as that political party or but is that political body. That's completely up to you and everybody else that's that signed up as that political body. Um, the thing is, the political body status, basically, especially at, at the up to the county and even the state rep level, that it's the same signature requirements for political bodies as it is minor political parties. Right. So there's there's it's not like you're really losing out or you're you're, you're being put out put it put put out to pasture or whatever um by having minor political body status um so it's not too bad so that so that forming a new party uh in the commonwealth like jennifer and i have both been working on doing being a startup like that is often no different than than the the terms in which the libertarian party reverted back to a political body and while we were fairly organized as a libertarian party, um, <laughs> there, there, there are quite a few actual uh, registered pirates out in in the, the western part of Pennsylvania, and I might be hitting them up soon. Yeah, um, like half in the state are out there. <laughs> I most of them, yeah. At one point. Um, I hope to be changing that soon, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I think being a political body isn't a huge disadvantage. Um, you know, and, and I've known over my experiences that the changes are mostly just minor changes on a form, you know, although I, uh, one thing I do want to bring up though, Drew, which is, uh, for, for me coming into this, um, trying to suss out the difference between, uh, nomination petitions and nomination papers and what a political body is and what a political party is and what's a minor political party and how does this all work and why do I there are you know just talking about getting someone on the ballot um, there's there's a lot of you know eyes to dot T's to cross mm-hmm. things to do right for for love of all that is holy do not print out your nominating papers if you're a minor political body uh be, is it nomination petitions i can never remember it's papers nomination papers. papers you got to print out your nomination papers and it's got to be on was it what is it legal size paper yep. legal, legal size yep. paper. can't do it on, can't do it on regular eight and a half by 11 paper mm-hmm. and there's so many of these little it has to be rules. it has to be um oh, yeah back to back head to head head to toe mm-hmm. yeah yeah. I th- yeah all of these things that go go into this uh just making sure that you know when when drew mentioned you know you you have to fill out the paperwork just figuring out what paperwork to fill out 
how to do it and and you know making sure that you didn't print out the forms wrong is uh is a major headache cool. and they won't tell you until you screw it up and tell well, yeah, that's oh, there I, I was one just... oh, go ahead drew sorry <laughs> i was just gonna just a real quick i is is, a, is another point is, is if you can get a good so this is this is advice for the local affiliate chairs or the local affiliate leadership if you can get a good relationship mm -hmm. with your board of mm -hmm. uh, yes. elections or the director of elections in your county, it makes a world of difference. I mean, they will, because especially in local elections, they will accept those mm -hmm. minor issues. If you, you know, if you printed it out wrong, they will, they, you know, they, they will let you get away with things that, you know, you might not get away with, with people that are going strictly by the rules. Well, um, and if you, if you make that relationship, sorry, Drew, if you make that relationship, like here in York, we established that relationship with the board of elections here and they actually printed them for us mm -hmm. and they actually messed them up a few times. Um, and I remember they, that. do you remember that? Cause I was on the phone with you during it. Um, and I was like, no, 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 you have to go back. They're wrong. Be head to head. It can't be head to toe. That's illegal. <laughs> Um, it has to be a minor party, not political party and stuff like that. And they actually made, you know, kept doing it until they got it right. And they actually thanked me because they hadn't been given that experience of dealing with that paperwork mm -hmm. that they actually kept a copy for themselves so that they can make more copies to have on hand. Um, so you're, you're absolutely right, Drew, establishing that relationship with your board of elections, um, just is going to open so many doors. I was emailing our board of elections last night for Keystone stuff, um, because of registration changes and things like that. And just having that, even if you change the party, they're still willing to answer because they've already established that relationship mm -hmm. with you. Um, so I, yeah, you're absolutely right. And Jen, you had something you wanted to say. Uh, you have no idea how many boards of elections I have called around the state and explained to them what paperwork they need. <laughs> but the one thing that I was going to say is there is one other difference besides the special elections and the voter registration for minor parties and political bodies. And that difference is control of your nominations. So the reason why that really gets things tangled up is that there's this authorization of candidacy form that your local affiliate or your state affiliate, depending on what the level of election is, has to sign to authorize the candidates. And in 2021, um, we ran into a lot of issues with this where, you know, like the local the county just party wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing or they missed the deadline. And um, there were a couple places where I had to call and beg and plead and they let me sign off as state chair um, to get their candidates on the ballot at the 11th hour. There were places where that authorization wasn't turned in and those people didn't get on the ballot. Um, which was heartbreaking because they had gone out and collect all their signatures. And, um, you know, so it's that one extra form that if you're used to being a political body, but now you have minor party status and no matter how many times you tell people they have to get this done, you know, there's a pile of forms and you miss one. And um, I, yeah, and I have a story. I actually have a story about that that goes with the last two topics. As a matter of fact, um, we, we got one of the molten maneuver candidates that, that decided to collect and he, and he never made contact with us. Mm -hmm. um, and so he turned, he turned paperwork in like right at the deadline. And I got a call out of the blue from the director of elections. Hey, 
I have paperwork for a guy, but I don't have a nomination. Oh. And so because I had a good relationship with the director of elections, he said, I've already talked to the commissioners. They're willing to extend a one-time courtesy that, you know, you guys can get us this, get us this paperwork. You know, I said, well, I technically, I have to call a meeting and, and we have to agree. And I said, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Um, but I, you know, I, I thank him very much. And, and, you know, he was on the, our, our candidate was allowed to be on the ballot and it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a problem. Now he, he was actually, he actually got tied up with, um, sort of like what Dave did is he had a 18 or 19 year old, uh, assault charge on his record from something stupid that he just plead, he, you know, he pled out. And, uh, so he wasn't able to, he actually won his election, but he wasn't able to take office. So, um, but again, it was, you know, the, the moral of the story really is if you are, if you are friendly, if you get a relationship with the board of elections that they know who, you know, and they know who to contact, um, that there, there are things that they will very, very much be willing to work with you on, especially Um, at the local level. It doesn't take much. It doesn't. Like like you said, you're just being friendly. Yep. To piggyback since, um, Drew brought up my husband. Um, the reason why the show started a little late tonight is I had put my letter of interest in for my husband's seat on the borough council, which he was not able to fill. They shockingly, shockingly decided to appoint a gentleman who I believe used to be on the council. Um, but let's just say that it's your standard typical person who gets appointed without, you know, casting any, uh, assumptions of of race and gender and age so i would have been the youngest person on that council anyway and now i think he's one of the older ones but anyway um so but you're you know the board of elections helped us with a bunch of things um i know we're dealing with a lot of challenges as we're trying to get people on for 2022 jen do you want to talk about those Sure. Um, So like I said, you know, the plan after stepping down from the LPPA was to take a very long and well-deserved break. And, um, you know, we had this problem of, you know, our good friends um, and the candidates we really believed in um, were not chosen to be the candidates for the LPPA for governor and lieutenant governor. Um, No candidates were actually. Yeah. Instead, instead the convention chose to um, put to, to do none of the above. Um, so, you know, the discussion began of them running as independents and we started thinking about it and it's like, as an independent, you don't have the ability to stack petitions. And what that means is that anyone who's running for state rep, state Senate, U.S. Congress, their signatures count towards the statewide signatures. So we had at least five people who wanted to run for state rep to like, you know, help these guys out. And so the more we got to thinking about it, the more it seemed like it was a good idea to form a political body um, so that everybody could run under the same name. And surprisingly, the most difficult part of all of this was the name. We had like four different names picked out. We had to make sure that it didn't have, that there was nothing else. I mean, even Keystone, there's a party in Manitoba, but like, you know, anything that you've thought of has come up before. Um, Or it already has, you know, some kind of nasty meaning that we don't want. Or Or it's it's just not very exciting, right? Um, So it's one of those things where um, 
you know, we had such an excited, it started with a group about 15 of us and there's been more that have like come and drove since, but, um, and I just, it, for me, it was like, I just really don't want to do this right now. I even tried to like leave the chats and they pulled me back in. Trying to give me chair. <laughs> I tried to make her chair. I, uh, and I still am not, I'm still not admitting that I'm chair. I'm chair until after the primary and then we will readdress it. <laughs> provisional, but, provisional. Right. Interim, right. Saying that, the word interim. That word, yeah. provisional, yeah. <laughs> right. So like, I mean, that's where we're at right now. I mean, they really, really want me to be the chair of this party and like being the chair is like the worst job in the party. I'm like, come on guys, I just want to do ballot access stuff. And then like, you know, is, you know, I'm having all these misgivings, like our team just kept getting bigger and bigger. And then the donors approached us and it was like, what is even going on? Like, like what is even going on right now? There, I mean, there's just so many people on this team that, that, you know, a lot of people around the nation believe in. And, you know, we've had people from other states right now. We've got a candidate recruiter who's done amazing work um, and he, you know, has been just a huge boon to helping us with our recruitment project um, to try to get state reps. And I'm not going to go too much into detail on that, but I think it'll be very obvious very soon some of the things that we're doing, um, you know, because that ramped up, you know, today. So, but I mean, it's just, it's been, it's been a lot to get the paperwork done. You know, you have to, you really have to know what you're doing. You know, you got to start out with, you know, the incorporation forms and then you have to fill out tax documents and then you have to, you know, register to be a party. And then you have to get bank accounts and bylaws and, you know, all these things. But, you know, part of the other, one of the other things that's comforting about this is the fact that we have a lot of lessons learned from our previous political activism, right? You know, we know what we don't want to ever tolerate again and what we don't want to deal with and we know what worked well. So in going into this, you know, when we're looking at platforms, when we're looking at bylaws, when people try to tell me they're making a motion and I tell them where to take their Robert's rules and stick it. <laughs> it's like, we're not doing Robert's guys. We're not doing it. Like I'm never doing that again. I've had that experience and we're done. Um, but yeah, I mean, the challenge for us right now um, is just the fact that it's so new. You know, we took a month to get the paperwork done, to get a name figured out, and now we have a very short window to um, run candidates. And I will, you know, say this on behalf of Drew and the Pirates as well. If you want to run under either our parties this year, um, because we're a political body, you have to change your registration away from another party before um, April 16th. Because 30 days before the primary, if you are registered a Democrat, Republican, a Green, or a Libertarian, you will not be able to run as a political body. There are no more agendas. I, <laughs> this, like, like, I don't understand what the agenda fetish was. Like, what were they doing with these agendas? So I found... I found a pile of, every, okay, to give context, everybody when I was chair started harassing me for the agenda <laughs> literally two days after the meeting. And I'm yep. like, guys, nobody gives me their motions until like the last minute anyway. Like they all send them to me at midnight at the deadline. So I actually found a pile of agendas in my laptop bag and I had a beautiful bonfire with them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And so everybody's already starting with the, and this is why I don't want to be chair because I don't want to make agendas. We're going to have an agenda committee. I heard that that's a thing now. Apparently that's a thing. But, I'm, committees, right? but, but anyway. Can I, can I 
mention something. There, there was a there's a question that scrolled by. Um, yep. And I'm looking from uh, from from Stephen right about the nominations before the paperwork, and uh, one of the things that particularly when you were talking about how you had to get things spun up for Keystone, and I'm sure for, mm -hmm. for the Pirate Party, um, we've had to do that for the Libertarian Party as well. So in some respect, all of that is we're all from Pennsylvania, right? Right. So. If you're from Illinois, it could be different. It could be entirely different. We know from you know yeah. Tennessee is going to be vastly different. These uh, these rules can change from you know from state to state. You know even even I guess in some states from county to county. Um, so you know really there's a you know going back to what what Drew had said, you know making relation a relationship building your relationship with your uh, local election board or your parish election board or whatever it's whatever it's called. Uh, is is really critical because they're they're the ones that are going to help you navigate through all of this. Hopefully, if you you know if you bring in the chocolate chip cookies and uh, you know a little a little Starbucks frappe or whatever to sit and chat for a little bit, ask them how the kids are doing, and then get into you know or you know what do we need to help do for our paperwork here? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Warm <laughs> no, up a little bit. They gave me wrong information when I ran in 2017, and then they came to court and testified on my behalf when I was challenged, and the judge gave me more time. So, you know, even your board of elections can steer you wrong. Um, so it's good if you have somebody with experience that you can reach out to. Um, they don't mean to, but it's complicated stuff. And at oh, least yeah. that's one of the reasons why you need to get you need to run local candidates so yeah. you can have so so you can expose your local board of elections to just going through the paperwork and sometimes sometimes they spend three or four days going back and forth with the department of state and before they yeah. come back with an answer for you but i mean most of most everybody that i have ever dealt with um with at the port of elections they're they're trying to do the right thing uh yeah. i know i've heard stories yeah. of i've heard stories here and there it's all been second second and third hand to me but i personally have never had a real negative experience um other than you know sometimes the information that you get from them is not correct i mean that happens yeah. and again it's because they don't have the experience so right. um and just to jump in there a little bit about the pirate party, uh, it's it was my intention from the from the get go to really not look at elections this year because I I knew the timeline was going to be ridiculous, yeah. um, you know. And that's again going back to having experience in these things. And my my goal was to was to be looking for candidates for local offices next year, which and, is smart. And, it's absolutely yeah, that's smart. you know, and you know, we obviously didn't have. Um, people coming to us saying we still want to run this year, um, despite that, which is which is you know where you guys ended up with Keystone, is you you have people that were ready to run this year. So well, um, when the LP kind of pushed away two candidates who had been actively actively campaigning for 16 months uh they just were like we have built so many you know we built up so much support from across the aisles that it would be foolish to not mm -hmm. continue this run and you know we we you know that was what happened um i do have candidates yeah i wanted to touch on two things Dre, um I actually had a really bad experience during the Joe Jorgensen campaign with our board of elections, like a really bad experience. They refused to give me a lot of voter registration forms to try and get people registered. They refused to like answer a bunch of questions. 
Um, and so I had a really bad <laughs> impression on our board of elections. And but then came 2021 and we're doing local runs. They had actually replaced the director of the board of elections and they and he is still there. and He's phenomenal. And they were just much more helpful. And then I believe they actually did a training. Yeah, it was on the day of your turn in for ballots, which is it sure was. Um, it sure was. <laughs> it was poor planning. Your board of election is going to be closed, Jen. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, um, it, was that, it was the August turn in oh date for local election paperwork. Um, so that was poor planning on their part. But I will say that that plan that that educational meeting that they were doing, the training, was about third parties. It was about um paper paperwork it wasn't all about third parties but it included it to so that they could educate people because the lppa was rising and then there was other parties like greens and constitution and stuff that are getting more footing um so them now having that expertise allows the pirate party in keystone to have that knowledge sitting in those board of elections and people who know who to reach out to if they don't know um who you know what the answer is and jen i'm really glad you pointed out like the 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 government has such weird restrictions mm -hmm. <laughs> you know political a minor party they they can nominate at any point it doesn't matter whenever but a, being a, a political body the people have to change their registration 30 days before the primary which right. just just from it can be to independent or to just a random other but they can't be Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, or Green, those with minor and major party status. So it does. And, and Drew, you're very smart. And, and I imagine had you had a governor candidate, you would have been pursuing uh, a 2022 mm -hmm. race. But, you know, to realizing that and not focusing on it because of the time crunch. I mean, we're yeah. making calls throughout the whole day i'm literally running errands for the pto running errands for my family coming home making calls making dinner like my oh, this yeah. week, i'm just very thankful i only had to work one day this week <laughs> so <laughs> all weekend all weekend i spent um yeah. organizing voter data from the sure data database like i spent all weekend putting together spreadsheets which all of you guys know me you know i love my mm -hmm. ballot access spreadsheet so i was just like i was happy i was like really happy working a political project for the first time in a long time it felt so, good i'm not gonna lie i'm sitting here going jen's really excited about this conversation drew and sam are really engaged i'm loving it and i'm like all these people probably think this is boring and because ballot access is not some exciting thing but it's um it's a mandatory thing it's it's a requirement to be in the political world and whether you like it or not or you think it's exciting or boring it's stuff that we have to address and i love that you all came on here tonight because i think it's pivotal information that we talk to people about how to approach people, you know, what the challenges are and um, to steer into the next part, you know, there's there, there's challenges that happen after you hand them in because of the signatures. So signature requirements, we were taught, we hit on them a little bit ago. Um, you know, right now in the state of Pennsylvania, a state rep run only needs 300 minimum signatures because they just redistricted mm -hmm. and completely gerrymandered again, the state um, big shocker there too. Um, <laughs> but 
But, uh, you know, so state reps only need about 300 minimum. Obviously, you know, we'll talk about that, but it needs to probably be double. And then state Senate is anywhere between like five to a thousand signatures, depending on the district. And then congressional races like Liz Terwilliger's that she was running or my husband is running as a libertarian um, here in the 11th district. Those require anywhere from like 1500 to 2100 signatures at minimum. And I say at minimum because they challenge those, the Republicans, the Democrats, hell, even the libertarians or the Green Party might challenge the pirates and the uh, Eastern party now, because we give them a challenge, you know, we, we're competition now. So we need to make sure those ballot signatures are had. Um, so can any of you, and maybe Sam, you can go first since Jen and Drew went first the last couple of times, talk about, you know, ballot signatures and the, and, um, how the challenge period works. If you're familiar, if not, one of the other two can talk about it too. Yeah. I'll let, I'll let, Jen talk about challenge period because she knows she knows the answer. If you ask me, I'd say, you know what? Give me a minute to go. I'll get back to you, and then I would have I'd call Jen. Um, I'd, offer, I'd offer. I guess she's Keystone now, so I'd have to like bribe her, send her some chocolate or something. No, it's okay. I'm still I'm still here for friends to ask questions. People that I don't want to be able to ask questions are blocked. Um, and they were blocked. And so Sam, you're not on my block list, and you. Oh, that is, thank you. That that actually makes me feel good. Yeah. Uh, no, but the. the uh, uh, the challenges you mentioned getting uh, double the number of signatures. Um, mm-hmm. And that really, from what I gathered, what I learned working on the Jordanson campaign is that's, that's the threshold for getting to the, yeah, let's not even bother. Right. If you have, uh, if you need 5,000, 5,000 good signatures and you turn in 10,000, they're going to look at that and say, you know, there's no way we can challenge them off the ballot. So that's, yeah. that's one threshold there. But the, uh, the number of things, Again, getting back to paperwork, getting back to rules, getting back to all this, are, you know, arcana for, you know, you have to do this, do that. Um, one of the things that, that threw me was for the, the, you know, when you're out petitioning and you're, you're getting people to sign your petitions, your nomination papers, um, you know, they've got to sign their name. They have to put, the, put their, uh, I forget, their phone number or their zip code or whatever. And then they have to put their voting district. I gotta say, I love David Valente. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sam. I I did not mean to interrupt you. You were very eloquent. Um, I just this needed is... to show that. No, 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 no. no. This is 100 percent accurate. This is think... this is fine. I I preached once at a at a rescue mission where uh, I was I was having a good time. I was deep in my message. I was really passionate, and the guy in front of sitting on the front row in front of me took off his socks and started slathering brute on his uh, on his feet. Um, wow, just it was just, it was a little bit distracting, but you know sometimes these things oh, happen. In other words, he's a paid petitioner. <laughs> Probably yes. You can talk about the the ins and outs there. That's the, that's a Jennifer thing that oh, David yeah. wrangling those guys. I I you know that's, I expect uh, I'm going to have to do it again this year um, with Keystone, and you know that's okay. But yeah, they're 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 a special bunch. Yeah. You know, what I would say is when we're talking about numbers and percentage over, it really depends on how you collected those signatures. That's that's really the key. Um, if 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 you if you collected every one of your signatures um, on on primary day, 
there is a super high validity rate in those. Yeah. Now, obviously, if there's you can look them over and see, OK, well, this one's a mistake and that one's going to get crossed out. You can be you can be at like 25 or 30 percent over and be in a super safe zone because, you know, every one of those people was is a, is a is a registered voter. And and there's and there's no major mistakes. If, you, if you've already crossed out the ones that were already, you know, clearly bad signatures and that goes this also goes to experience of learning what is a bad signature, what is a good signature, what's going to fly, what isn't going to fly, which is a whole other thing. And, you know, Sam, you, you use the word arcana and it really, it really is that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. it, it is, uh, the, the rules are, some of them are very ridiculous. Other ones that have been fought out in court have been, you know, shown that, yeah, it doesn't matter whether they put their signature in the print box or whether they put their, you know, if they flip flop those things, it's still valid. They still the intent was there, um, you know, the, the you know, whether the, the township versus the actual city that they live in. That's another thing that people screw up all the time, because that's they want you. They want your political township, your actual not your not your um US postal service mailing address correct everybody starts going with that and that's you know but uh, you know if you're if you're collecting on on primary day your your overage number can be a lot lower and still be very safe yeah. if you're collecting door to door if you're pretty confident in the people that you're using a walking list and you're getting people, you know, like if you're getting the person that's, that's registered at that address, and then maybe you get a couple more people that say, Oh, I'm registered. I'm registered. Okay. Well, those people might be questionable. And at that point you can go into signature validation to see if that's going to, if they're going to be, um, they're going to be good. If you're out on the street or if you're at a public gathering, your your signature validity is going to be a lot lower and so is your signature validity is going to be a lot lower when you go with paid petitioners i mean obviously jen can talk about that more um but it depends you know. on how they're managed drew i mean that really is the <laughs> I mean, it, it, people don't realize how much of a management job it really is and that you have to have that skill set um and that's one thing i can't stress enough do you mean like how they're managed like that really horrible paid petitioner who tried to run for governor of the LPPA. Oh, I, he, he, he actually, he, he worked for me in 2020 and um, he failed to show up about four times um, to come and get his petitions. And when we did finally meet with him, it was like, you know, in like this divey bar, like, you know, in, in Philly, like, I mean, it was, he's not one that I would hire again, um, you know, based on the experience, it, but it's very common for your paid petitioners not to show up. You typically want to have them come to you instead of you going to them, because when you go to pick things up for them or drop things off to them, they just won't be there. I mean, that's one of the lessons learned of running paid petition drives. But, you know, the big thing is, you know, at the end of the day, you need to have registered voters in the district. And that's what they're really going to look for and nail you on. We actually had, um, I think it was Chuck Boust who was running in 2018. He only needed 50 more signatures. And at the end of that petition drive, I was trying to send in the paid guys in like mercenaries to like, okay, who's next? Who's next? Who's next? You know, who had needs the fewest. And it turned into a situation where it's like, he only needs 50 more at three bucks a signature. We can crowdfund this and we can get the 50 more. 
Um, so we did, we crown founded it. I kicked in, Kevin kicked it, Kevin Goggin kicked in and we sent the paid petitioners door to door at six bucks a signature, which is double the normal rate, but we got those signatures and he turned it in and he was just over his threshold for what he needed. And the Republicans initially challenged, but then when they tried to go through the voting records, they realized that he had such high validity because they were door to door signatures that they dropped the challenge against him. Because it costs them money. Yep. I mean, they, they will throw money around. Don't get me wrong. If they, but if they, but if they don't think it's a, something they can win, they won't. They won't send three or four, three hundred plus dollar an hour lawyers in to. to Isn't uh, there a, a fee that. fee per challenge as well? I seem to re, I seem to recall that, Jen. Maybe. When I was challenged in my municipal election, it was only like a few hundred dollars for my lawyer and fees and everything. It wasn't too bad, but he was local. And, um, you know, when you get into like the big races, when you're in an even year, um, it can get really insane. Like, I mean, there was one point where we had a congressional candidate who was challenged and the judge compelled him to participate and go to the board of, ele of elections in each county and sit with the Republicans while they disproved his signatures with counsel. Like what minor party candidate has money to, you know, have their lawyer with them for a week and take a week off work. I mean, that's the, one of the ways that they shut us out. And that's one of the things we didn't really touch on here is the fact that, you know, I'm getting off the rails here, but m minor party candidates and political body candidates need a magnitude more signatures than the major parties do. Um, our barriers are much, much higher. Um, I mean, even in my little township um, race, uh, if I would have been a Democrat or Republican, I would have needed 10, I needed 46. So I went out and got a hundred. Um, but, you know, these races where we need 5,000, they need, you know, 1,000. I mean, it's that's just, you know, that's the reality of this. You know, somewhere where a Democrat Republican needs 10, they might need 110. Um, and then on top of it, you know, we just don't have the resources to, um, you know, fight things like going to court for a, a week or sitting with counsel for a week at the Board of Elections to you know, go through stuff. I mean, that candidate had to drop off the ballot because he really didn't have a choice. He didn't have $10,000 a week off work. Ballot access is such a big deal. I mean, people talk about how, um, you know, we don't have the resources. They don't see us in the media. Ballot access drains our resources to the point that there's not a lot left for our campaigns um, because it's so expensive and so time consuming um, and just takes so much out of us that before we can even hit the ground campaigning, we have to do all this extra legwork that the major parties don't see. And I, I'm convinced that's by design. I am too. Uh, I, oh, yeah. the, there's no the, question. Oh, for sure. It, it is, it is to keep people out. It is, it is to raise a bar. Um, you know, there are some States around, around the country where, you only have to have like $500 in a bank account and then fill out a basic mm -hmm. registration form and you've got ballot access. I mean, and it proves, you know, the, the argument always is, is well, well, the, the ballot's going to get crowded. Really? Really? I think, I think, I think the molten maneuver proved that the ballot is not uh, crowded already. So well, how, let's ask about, the, let's just talk about the Republican to Democrat primaries. How many Republicans are going to be on the ballot for the Republican primary this time around in Pennsylvania? Yeah, I think for the gubernatorial race, I think it's like 10 people. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they can have 10 people run for the Republican nomination, I think we can have five people on to give people five options um, for 
the the general election. I mean, that's and I think what they're what they're afraid of is what what Jen alluded to earlier when she was talking about her numbers from uh, when she ran for auditor, right? There's 46,000 registered libertarians in, in Pennsylvania. She got, you know, five times as many votes as that, you know, five or six times as many votes. There are people out there that if they, they'll, they'll see, you know, hey, Republicans, I'm tired of them. Democrats, I'm tired of them. There's another name on the ballot. I'll, I'll take that. I'll give me option C. I'll go ahead and take that. They told me always fill out C if you don't know what the answer is on the, the multiple choice quizzes. That, that's as, what they're afraid of. As an election official, I see that every election. I see that those people that come in and go, I hate both of these people, you know, and, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I, I stay pretty I, I stay pretty neutral when I'm when I'm in my role as constable. But I'm just, you know, why aren't there more people on the ballot? Well, because, well, there's it's not easy to get on the ballot. And, you know, you got to there's fees and there's, there's paperwork and there's challenges and there's, you know, but, you know, I see that all the time where people come in and go, I don't want I don't want to vote for either of these people. When it's and just until a someone and a Democrat, until someone gets involved, like I said, I had no idea what goes mm-hmm. into simply getting your name on that piece of paper so that you can be a candidate, and uh, you know, just even to just be recognized as a candidate. I mean, right now we've got you know, if we, you know, Keystone's got people out there, Libertarian Party's got people out there, you know, Greens and Constitution and pirate, you know, some Pirate Party people. As far as the state of Pennsylvania is concerned. They're just random yahoos until those papers get turned in, right? They're mm-hmm. not. They're not candidates. The, you know, they're they're. You run as a candidate. You you say that you're a candidate. You you go out there and you do, yeah. You be as positive as you can be, but until those signatures are turned in, you make it through the challenge period. You know, the the week or two weeks. You know, seven to get days. Clear. Seven days to get clear. Seven days then, of uh, stress week. <laughs> then you don't you don't know whether you're going to be on the ballot or not. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, those challenges were the hardest part for me um, as a minor party activist because I took every one of them personally. Like I can let a lot roll off my shoulder. I've had a lot of people treat me very terribly, and I just really don't care about that. But like the court challenges for our candidates who went out and collected hundreds of signatures. And the ones that lose the ballot because of it, every time I lost sleep over it. I mean, that is the stuff that, you know, that really kept me up at night. And I, and I took personally. How many did Liz lose? No, she was only, she was like like less than 20 short. I was going to say, I thought it was like 20. It's heartbreaking. And she herself collected like 900 to 1,000 or something. She collected like 2,000 signatures in a pandemic. And they challenged her off the ballot and she was one of our best candidates. You know, it just, it, 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 I would have rather had Liz on the ballot than me. <laughs> well, that, that goes back to the whole thing about, about them. They'll find any way to push these other candidates out. We had, we had, we basically had a, a local Republican chair, uh, you know, blackmail one of our candidates off of the ballot. Yeah. Um yeah, you guys did. And I, I was ready to, I, I wanted him to just, I wanted him to tell her to pound sand and then we would just take it to the media and go full bore out and, and, you know, expose her for what she really is. And, and, you know, well, she's, she's, you know, she was doing nothing but bullying because she didn't mm-hmm. like a picture that was taken and that was posted on his campaign page. 
Um, yeah, I, it's it's really disgusting how how dirty that the, the Republicans and Democrats will go in, oh, in pushing these third in pushing third party uh, challengers out. They'll come and send they'll send blonde women to lure away your petitioners. I saw it. I saw it in Congressional District One. I mean, it was campaign staff from the sitting congressmen that came and got our petitioners and lured them off to the bar. And then as soon as the campaign period was over, they disappeared. And then we saw, you know, pictures of them with him on the campaign trail. So it was very obvious what had happened. So, you know, if she comes up and starts talking to you while you're petitioning, she might not be interested in you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Shocking, I know, yes. I want to thank you guys for being on. Um, I'm going to open it up. If anyone has any final thoughts or plugs or anything like that, feel free to do that. Um, and then I will close out the show. Sure. I, I just want to, you know, tell everybody, come run with Joe. Um, as I was saying earlier, if you are part of a party, you would need to change your registration. But independents and such, we can continue recruiting right up until August 1st, and we intend to. So, um, you know, any support, you know, even, you know, friends who are not ready to leave another party, um, you know, we would be happy to have a conversation with you. And um, we have great candidates, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, everything we're doing this year with Keystone. It's a gauntlet. It's happening very fast. Um, we're all working very hard, but I think we're going to have some great results because we have so much knowledge in our group. So looking forward to it. And, um, yeah, please, you know, if you're thinking about a run, please come and talk to us because that's what we need right now as candidates. Thank you, Jen. Drew? Well, basically, if anybody has any interest in the Pirate Party and, and what we're doing, we uh, the, the, we have eight core values, which I, I do not have time to go over right now. But uh, if you check out our Reddit, which is at r slash PA Pirate Party uh, on Reddit, uh, we're on Facebook. If you look up uh, PA Pirate Party PPP, we have a lot of stuff there. We're going to be pushing out, rolling out a YouTube very soon and probably going to be doing some, some episodes like, like we're doing here, but with more, more pirate uh, focused um, topics. Um, so if you want to get in on the ground floor with the new political body in Pennsylvania and help mold that, like I said, our bylaws are not yet set in stone and they're going to be developing over the next few months before we go we go live with them. I, I think it's um, we were we're not in the time crunch that Keystone is in, so we want to get we want to get everything nailed down uh, this year so that next year we can run local candidates, get a couple of pirates elected because I need to get reelected next year. So, yes, um, <laughs> so yeah, anybody wants to to volunteer uh, or or wants to be uh, anything, we need help with all kinds of things. Um, so just, um, get in touch with me or, or touch with the, on the Reddit or on the Facebook page and, uh, we'll find a home for you. Drew, we should compare notes on bylaws because we're working hard to make ourselves takeover proof. So, oh, well, so we're not, so that, there is some of that, but we're, right. we're going to be working with, uh, in, you mentioned no Roberts rules. Well, we're we're going to be uh, working on on doing consensus decision making. Yeah, um, that's that's where we want to go because I think it's not uh, um, it's not adversarial. I think it's, that let's that's work together. Yeah, so. and you know when you have a group of people who do want to work together, um, it's amazing how much you can get done. I see it on my Cub Scout meetings every month. 
<laughs> anyway, off to Sam. Sam, libertarian representative. So uh, <laughs> obviously the Libertarian Party has some advantages over uh, Keystone and over the Pirate Party just getting started. And, uh, you know, on, honestly worked closely with, with all of you guys. Uh, wish you well. But, uh, you know, yeah, the Libertarian Party's established. We've been around for a while. We've got candidates already in a lot of slots that, that, are, that are out there running. Uh, you know, we've got uh, Hackenberg and McMaster for, uh, that are out collecting petitions for governor and lieutenant governor. Um, if, uh, you know, people are interested in, in finding out more and volunteering, they can find us at, uh, LPPA.org and, uh, uh, Drew, I would hope, I, you know, historically speaking, I know that pirates used to actually have, uh, fairly, fairly strong sort of, uh, uh, ship agreements about the, the division of, uh, of booty and, uh, you know, <laughs> how, how, things were, how things were, I, I have to be nautical there, how <laughs> things were, uh, were to be dealt with, how, how various infractions were to be dealt with. So, uh, I would urge you to maybe to consider looking back, you know, at the, at oh. the, uh, we are. I mean, I am. Anyways, <laughs> we're looking at the, you know, the call, and and the the pirate party itself actually does use a lot of that old old school terminology. Um, chairman is is generally uh, referred to as captain, and then uh, vice chair is XO. Um, you know, uh, we we do have that stuff. We do have some of that stuff going on, and yes, that's you're referring to the pirate code, which at the beginning of every journey there would be a, a gathering of the entire crew where they would elect a captain and set down the code to see who gets who, how much, how much everybody gets as a share. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of traditions in, in pirate society and pirate and, and pirate culture that do translate very well into being libertarian um, and, and freedom lovers and obviously anti-establishment. So obviously, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, Hey, yeah, what, what we is it that uh, Megan said? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been we listening to the History of Pirates podcast. It's it's actually very informative. Yeah, we um, can do a whole other show on our platforms and ideology <laughs> and stuff. It's uh, it's great. I'm more of the pragmatic bent, and so you know you're going to see a lot of that coming out of Keystone. Yep, me too. Yeah. But I want to thank you guys again for coming on tonight. Um, I love and appreciate all three of you. Uh, you guys have helped me to become the person that I am in this political atmosphere. So I do want to extend my thanks and regret um, for knowing you all. <laughs> um, I hard you know. for that fact that you know us. <laughs> um, but again, thank you guys for coming on and I appreciate you all more than I could probably ever say. So um, I'm going to I'm going to say good night to you guys. You're welcome to hang out if you'd like to talk. I know, Jen, you've got to get your little ones to bed. So we're reading the Prisoner of Azkaban, so I got to get back to the Harry Potter. So very priorities. Yes, priorities. Well, that was it, guys. I know it wasn't super exciting. Um, I know that it's it wasn't as entertaining as probably the last one or future ones or anything like that. But I appreciate those that hung out with us. I hope it was informative and it'll help you get your parties, whether it be Keystone Pirate, Green, Constitution, Libertarian, whatever it is, give you that information you need to get on the ballot, to get your candidates on the ballot. Um, because the way that we bring down the duopoly is by being educated. 
And that's what I tried to do here tonight. That's what this podcast is here to do is to introduce you to back to the basics of the Liberty movement and the Liberty movement is so much more than one party. Um, as we saw here tonight, we have three parties that are willing and able and ex inspired to step up to run candidates uh, locally, statewide, and to work with other parties in helping to spread that liberty movement message. So thank you so much for joining us. As always, I'm Christine, and you can follow me on TikTok, uh, Instagram, Facebook. There's a bunch of different ways. Um, but thank you for joining us and have a good night.